everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Rambling Viking Podcast. So glad you joined me today and, you know, in the final week leading up to the election, I've been debating, you know, how much politics I want to do, but I think it's, uh, we'll do something, we'll, we'll talk about maybe election-related stuff in general, right? So today's topic is, pause, before we start... Don't forget, you can reach this podcast at uh, theramblingviking at gmail.com or now, newly, you can text in at 580-789-9258 is our official text line. So text, email, whatever uh, your preferred method of snail mail Maybe I don't have an address listed on here, so good luck. But don't forget to chime in with all your thoughts and, and or questions. We'd love to make this a more open discussion. But... Today's topic, the Electoral College, right? I recently had a friend on Instagram who um, was, they were basically, they're, they're getting more politically active and we're asking questions and talking about it and, um, you know, we've recently seen the Electoral College come under criticism in, in recent years and people talking about abolishing it. We need to just go off the popular vote, uh, which... I personally think it's pretty dangerous. Direct democracy is more or less just mob rule. The 51% can do whatever they want and jam it down the 49%'s throat. And we live in a system that makes that much more hard to fall under a tyrannical mob rule like that. And that's why it's set up the way that it is set up. But we'll get into that. So first and foremost, the Electoral College is from factcheck.org. It says, the short answer or short question is, why does the U.S. have an Electoral College? The short answer is the framers of the Constitution didn't trust direct democracy, and I would I would argue that rightly so. So the full question is, why does the U.S. have an electoral college when it be so easy to directly elect a president as we do for all other, all other political offices? Well, I'm not going to read this entire answer. It's about six or seven paragraphs, and it's, it's nothing crazy, though, but basically they... Uh, um, the Electoral College is based – the simplest way to put it is right here is when U.S. citizens go to polls to elect a president, they are in fact voting for a particular state of electors. So every state has a certain number of electors and that's dependent upon it, – it goes in line with the House of Representatives, which is population-based, right? So every state gets two senators. We all know that. And then – but the – House of Representatives, did I say House of Congress, House of Representatives is based on population. So you get more representatives, the more population you have. Same with electors, right? I think California has like 55, Texas is like 38, Oklahoma has seven, um, Maine has three, you know, so it, it varies based off numbers. Now, that being said, our election, while we do look at it on a national level a lot of times, even with the popular vote saying, you know, the national popular vote, our election is technically 51 individual elections that we aggregate to get those those numbers, right? So technically, each state and D.C. have their own presidential election to decide the president. And it's obviously – I'm oversimplifying this, but that this is the way I heard it described recently, and I thought it was very, very, very apt. But, you know, it's we have 51 individual elections, and then we look at the – you know, who won more of those elections, and that is how it's decided. But – um, in every state but Maine and Nebraska, the candidate who wins the most votes, that is the plurality, in that state receives all of their electoral votes. So basically it's, you know, if you win, 
if you win if you win the popular vote in that state, you get all those electoral votes except for Maine and Nebraska. And we actually see that in the last uh, we we see that in the last election in 2016. Uh, the electors, yeah, blah blah. So the reason that the Constitution calls for this extra layer, rather than just providing for the direct election of the president, is um, so most of the, our founders were actually pretty afraid of democracy, and so they go on to quote a different, couple different things. Uh, James Madison worried about what he would call factions. So, which he defined as groups of citizens who have common interest in some proposal that would either violate the rights of other citizens or would harm the nation as a whole. So, Madison's fear, which Alexis Day, I'm a member, or whatever, but uh, it was dubbed by Tocqueville as the tyranny of the majority. Basically, what I mentioned earlier is, you know, the 51% um, would jam their, would be, would take a tyrannical approach to how they decide things for the 49%. And so a republic, uh, Madison's solution to the tyranny of the majority was, uh, to quote him, was a republic by which I mean a government in which a scheme of representation takes place, opens a different prospect, and promises a cure for which we are seeking. Alexander Hamilton also makes a case in the Federalist Papers the and he states that the constitution that the office of president will never fall to the lot of any man who is not in an eminent degree endowed with the requisite qualifications so basically you could have someone get super popular and win the popular vote but it's like they're not a real candidate which people would look at trump and say that but <laughs> um in yeah and and they go on to say that in modern practice, electoral college is mostly a formality. Most electors are loyal members of the party that has selected them. And in 26 states, plus Washington, D.C., electors are bound by laws or party pledges to vote in accord with the popular vote. Although an elector could, in principle, change his or her vote, and few actually have over the years, doing so is rare. Yeah, and then obviously everyone looks back at the 2000 election, which... Uh, makes it possible for a candidate to win the popular vote and still not become president. And then same with 2016, and that is specifically what we're going to look at. But the Electoral College is a uh, crucial piece in that because if you're familiar with the United States at all, you know there are hubs of dense populations, right? You like you look at Southern California. You look at the, the Northeast, um, specifically like New York City and Boston and places like that. And then you maybe go to Chicago. You have multiple hubs, you know, in city metropolitan areas that have a vast, vast uh, majority of the population. Like the United States by and large is pretty scarcely populated. When you look across the majority of the land that we cover, it's like there's actually only a few really, really, really big hubs. It's like then there's still lots of space in the middle. Um, but that's uh, that's kind of a shortened version of their already fairly short answer, I encourage you to go check it out at factcheck.org. I've put the link to it in the description of today's show, so you can go and read their full answer. They cover a lot more, but I just wanted to get the basic understanding, right? So the Electoral College is basically like each state votes, and whoever wins that state, then those electors go and they they cast their vote for the winning candidate, right? Now, kind of to talk more about the thought process behind that, right, is that is so for you can't have 
a few densely populated areas who vote primarily one way decide the entire outcome of the country. Why, why is it good that we have 51 individual elections? Because it actually means that you actually care about you care about places like Wyoming. You care about places like Iowa. I mean, Iowa is a big deal. The Iowa caucus is always a big deal. You care about these smaller places with fewer people because guess what? It's not a matter of just winning a couple popular places. Yes, they are important. When like when places like California and New York combined have 84 votes, you know, that's a ton and you need 270. It's like that's quite a bit. So that's almost a that's a little more than a third of the votes that you need. So if you can win those two states, like you you're on your way, but this insulates it. This gives the smaller states more of a voice. And yes, people argue that, like, okay, so an electorate has more, it represents a, more people in more densely populated areas, and less densely populated areas, they can represent less people. Like, uh, I'm thinking off the top of my head here, but I want to say the stat was like 90. It was like one electorate in Wyoming represents 90,000 people, but in like California, it represents like 300,000 people. And yes, so th- that is that is true. And the, the point of this is this was, you know, like everything in our system that we have built here in the American experiment is it's supposed to be a, a balancing act, right? It's supposed to be a dispersion of power so that power cannot be very easily um, garnered and turned and used for tyranny and tyrannical purposes because we know that power always ultimately corrupts. And so the more dissemination of power we can have, yes, it does make things harder to accomplish at times. It does not, um, it, it insulates us from tyranny, right? So I, uh, so we're going to kind of shift and talk about, you know, how you can win the popular vote, but then lose uh, the presidency. So obviously, what are we going to look at? We're going to look at 2016, right? So Trump ended up with 306 in total. Clinton ended up with 232. 232. Now, while while she had 65.8 million votes, and Trump only had 62.9, so it's about 3 million in difference. Here's where the Electoral College comes into play. And talking about how I mentioned earlier, how, you know, if it was purely majoritarian, you would just have to win the heavily populated areas and just win those states that that have, you know, the most people. And it's like you can get the most people and then you have places, then you have a combined, you know, Illinois, New York, California, just or Chicago technically, using those three as an example, you could get those votes and, you know, and if that could – that and a few other places that all thought alike – could then decide everything for the center of the country, which in a lot of ways looks vastly different. We live, we live in a very diverse country, and so that's why it's important that you have to win more states necessarily and not just about a raw number of votes because you can have votes. I mean, you have, what, like 21, 24 million people. Now, obviously, they're not all voting, but in in the L.A. area and New York, I know, is in the teens and millions, but then you don't even have probably 10 million people across like Midwestern states in general. But, uh, so I, I have the CNN, uh, election results pulled up and they have a very nice map where they use circles for all the states and tells you how many electoral votes they have. But when you look at it, it's, I mean, Trump won really the center of the country and then a couple kind of on the outlier outliers. And then, 
Hillary on the West Coast and most of the East Coast. And when you when you look at it though, when you count up the states won, Trump won so Maine was split. Their four electoral votes were split because like I mentioned in that article, they have four they 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 have an exception to that rule where it's like whoever just wins the plurality gets gets all the electoral votes. So they were three for Hillary, one for Trump. So he won, I believe it was twenty nine plus that one from Maine. Uh, he won twenty nine states. Let me just double check that, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one, twenty two, three, twenty four, twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty. He went thirty plus one. I couldn't remember exactly because I, I counted these like a day or two ago, and I should have done it before I started recording. But hopefully, you enjoyed my cadence of counting. If not, I'd love some tips on how to improve it to make it more enjoyable because, you know, people listen to people count all the time. And it's like, if we're going to listen to you count, might as well be enjoyable. Am I right? Am I right? So he won 30 plus one, which means she won uh, She won 21, I believe. And we can double check our numbers right here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 21. She won 21 in total. And that right there, understanding that it's a, it's actually you have to win the majority of, you have to win more in more states. It's about states than just no, raw number of votes. That's where we see that Trump won 306 to 232 in electoral votes, right? He got, he got that 30 plus one, and then Hillary got that 21. And you might be saying, hold on, that's 51. You're terrible at math. This doesn't work that way. D.C. gets three electoral votes, but they're not technically a state. So that's where you see. And why I think that's important is because... As I've mentioned before, I might be getting redundant here, right? But he won 30 of the states. And while population-wise, most of these states, looking at them, you see 4, 3, 3, 6, 11. You do see 18, 20. Um, the most, Texas had 38. and Texas and Florida, 38 and 29. But then, and then Pennsylvania at 20. But after that... Most of the states he won were under 10 even. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 of the 30 states won were under 10. And when you look uh, in comparison, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 12 of the states that Hillary won were under 10, but she caught New York. She caught California. Um, those are really the two big ones. And then after that, they're in the teens. Oh, Illinois with 20. But you see that it was, while uh, by population numbers, yeah, he may have only got 3 million less votes, but it was about winning certain states. You know, the key battle, they always talk about the key battleground states. Why do we have battleground states? Well, and like, and look real quick too. Let me before before we go down the train of um, coming at me, fact checking me, and just roasting me over the fire. I'm not pretending to be an expert. I'm just trying to put this out there to have uh, a simple explanation because I know it's been a topic of conversation, and we're a week away from the election, and so it's like, hey, why don't we 
why don't we just talk about this a little bit more? You know, you have to win um, these states where they may only have a few electoral votes, but they matter ultimately because it adds up, right? So it's kind of like that whole you save a dollar a day and over time it builds up, right? It's more about... It's like good investing. They tell you diversify, not put all your eggs in one basket, right? Like don't just try and win the popular vote in the metropolitan areas because guess what? That's not going to win you in the the election. And it'll be interesting to see how this is panning out. I have no idea what to think. In the polls, I don't know who to believe. You know, Biden is up and Hillary was up last time. And so you have people saying, oh, the polls are just all wrong. And it's like all the polls are all wrong. Or And you have the other side saying, it's like, no, no, like we're – where, you know, the polls the polls are up. It looks like Biden's going to win. It's like nobody really knows. With all the mail-ins, you know, we've had, I want to say, 50-plus million votes cast already, which is last time, if you're looking at, and we're looking at these votes, we were just over 120 million. So we've already ha- seen, if we're, if we say we're doing the same number, which we're not, we're doing, I know way more people are voting this election as last election, we are right about half of the votes cast, and we're still a week away. So that's where, when it comes into early voting and stuff, I'm a little on the fence. But uh, I'm, I'm I'm going on the third. I'm the voting person to ensure I want to ensure that my vote gets cast, and I have no I have no reasons to not be able to go in person and cast my vote. So that's why I'm going to do that, and it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. would love to know any and all of your thoughts, your criticisms, or your praises for the Electoral College. I am obviously a fan. Um, uh, to, to, to use a, a simple analogy that, so someone, someone used the analogy like, this is like, you know, you, if you have the class, the school voting on, say, a principal or something like that, and all the students get to vote, but it's really the teachers that select the students vote and say the students vote for this person, but then the teachers end up selecting the other person. And that was, you know, how they viewed our system. And I said, well, it's actually not quite true. Imagine you had, where generally you have a pretty homogenous class size across schools because total population is, you know, each class will be roughly the same size. Imagine it wasn't that way. Imagine one class had 57 students, one class had five, and, you know, other classes had five students, and you had a wide range, Right. Then all it would take is, say, the three classes with 50 students could decide and then maybe just a couple other classes and boom, you've got you've got your pure majority. Right. And it wouldn't be that hard to do. You would just have because it's easier to convince those small pockets, those that one class of kids who are all together and in a lot of ways could probably think alike because they're about the same age versus having to get a more uh, more widespread viewpoint, I guess. So it's more like this, right? It's more like those groups of 50 classes, say, get five votes, but then those group of five classes maybe get one vote and the, the teachers vote, right? So each class is going to vote and then, and then the teacher would cast that vote based upon what the class did. And so it would be more about winning more classes than more kids. And so, you know, you couldn't just say win the the third, the fifth, and the fourth grade class that are that have a stupid amount of kids, and then guess what? That decides it for the whole school. Because when you look at it, when you when you see it under that light, you're like, oh, that's not very fair, right? 
Because I think we all look at it and just say, oh, yeah, we'll just go majority, you know, whatever the majority thinks. And it's like, well, in certain situations, extremely diverse situations like that, where, say, you have a big school, lots of different class size, and it, you know, ranges a wide variety of aged kids. It's like you need to consider everyone. It's actually a pretty darn good system, right? And that's the way our country is. And it's like, all right, cool. So each class then, right, would vote, and then the teacher would follow suit with that class's vote. And you could give more votes to the larger classes to account for the fact that they have more kids. And so maybe they should have a little bit more weight, but not an obtuse amount of weight, not just a ridiculous amount. But that's, uh, that's what I'm going to end with this show. I'd love to know any and all of your thoughts. Remember you can email us at the rambling Viking at gmail.com. And now you can even text us at five, eight, Oh, seven, eight, nine, nine, two, five, eight. That is the official text line. We'd love to know any and all your thoughts on this topic. And, if, how, when, and when you are voting too. So it'll be interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my popcorn. I'm going to be lighthearted about it, have a good time, and uh, accept the results of the election. Hope for a minimal amount of unrest. So we'll see you.